Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. Today, we've got a really fun one for you. We've got a guest. We're talking about organization, and we're even going to do a little ditty on estate sales at the end. Some treasure hunting. Yes, no. definitely. Um, with that, Sue, do you want to intro our guest? I absolutely do. Amanda Cusack, Cusack right? Am I saying yes. that right? Okay. I always say Cusick, and like you're Joan Cusick. Um, yeah. But you're Amanda, and we've I met Amanda initially. She was the organizer for a client that we've done several homes for, and I will tell you they're the most organized spaces I've ever been in. She has a system. She has an art to it, and I know that with her organization, that was a business she's done for 20 years, and now she does estate liquidation. And they, ironically, they have a lot of commonalities. And so, yeah, we're here to learn at your feet, Amanda. And I think we want to kind of start, um, I think this time of year, kids are starting to come home from school. Summer break's about to begin. I think we're all about to turn into half the woman that we were during <laughs> the school year. We kind of lose our brains a little bit. Um, but I think it's also a great opportunity to start to clean out and kind of inventory where we're at and what we want to add. So to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big time of year because it's a fear factor, really, of like, there's not enough time. The end of the school year is going to bring like 87 new projects that have to be done tomorrow. And then your kids are going to be bringing home things uh, that you don't have room for because the chaos year has yeah. on a... Their backpacks are full and they need to be emptied. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, they have camps and they have this and they have that. And the weather's been all over the place. It's, yeah, it's a scary time of year, but it's also an exciting time to start fresh and to really zone in on what do you use as a family and what is your goal. And I, it's almost like vision boarding, I think, at this time of year. of like, what kind of summer do you want to have? And what kind of um, peace do you want to have in your home? Because a lot of the last couple of years, we've learned to have our home become a sanctuary. And, um, and just little, whether it's coming home and lighting a candle or lighting or turning on a diffuser or making sure that there's no tablets or screens on and kids are like, you know, playing with games. It's figuring out what those goals are to have that tranquility over the summer Um what do you need to have kind of at the ready? And then it's also a good time to transition like into the next chapter because you're going to have a busy summer, but then another school year ahead. And you can really have a reality check on like, what did my kid actually use this year? What did, I mean, if, if you don't have kids, it's, it's an, I don't have children, for example. So this is a big time of year for me just to be like transitioning out of, you know, the, you kind of shed the winter and move on into the spring, summer. So yeah. So that's, yeah. You've mentioned that your favorite spaces to organize are closets, kitchens, pantries. And where you're talking about closets specifically, I would love to, I don't know, could we start there? On some yeah. of your favorite top tips there as we start to kind of shed that winter fur, that winter layer. And yeah, how, what are the best, your top tips on organizational trends? Yeah, I think figuring out what your trend is in your own closet. And I think the one thing, to help you determine that because it doesn't really make sense uh, looking at your closet the way it's set up um, currently, even if it's chaos. I've had clients that's like, you can't even walk into their closet, but there's still a trend there. And it's important to pull everything out and sort it by like categories. And it's, you'll determine like, oh, I have more black than I have 
of any pattern shirt or um, or a trend of like, I buy this item. This is the biggest trend I think that I find is like something people buy consistently that they never wear. And I think you have to really just make that something that is front of mind when you do shop because we have habits of like, this is what I should be buying or this is what I should be wearing. But it's like, does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel like you're your best self? And if the answer is no, like it's okay to, even if you've never worn it, like get it out of the space. Um, I, I see that trend a lot because people are, you know, with Instagram and social media and just the world we live in, we're constantly being told like what will make us be the best person we can be. But the reality is like, what do you go to that you feel great in? And I mean, I know I, my, my wardrobe, I'm always looking for more color and I'm always looking for more pattern. But then I'm, I know the trend for me is I feel best when I'm wearing like a monotone or monochromatic, like all Navy, all white, all black. Um, and then I have a pretty dull wardrobe, but I spice it up with like handbags and, and shoes, but that's how I feel best. And so I also like look at like photos from trips and be like, that looks really nice in a photo or I really felt good that day and, and analyzing those trends about yourself. So to go back pull everything out and then put things into categories and then reset your closet up in a way that works for the season, works for the function of your lifestyle, whether you're going to a new job this spring that requires you to be in the office more often, or you're traveling more often, or you're going to be on a, uh, you know, a track or a soccer field and you really want to look cute, but, um, but put together and casual. So having those things like shuffling the priority to the front, uh, especially, um, what is what you're going to grab. And then also things that you think you need to grab, um, maybe put those in the front and make a little bit more effort uh, with your wardrobe. But I think as I know, as women, we're always, you know, we're always trying to tell ourselves what we're going to wear and what we should wear, but we really don't ever make a change. We kind of have our habits and I think there's nothing wrong with our habits. I think it's just important to, you know, be spotting the trend of what your habit is and then like buying in that zone and also upgrading those zones. So if you like, black cashmere turtlenecks, like look at all your turtlenecks and say like, I could really use, uh, I could really replace something or with athleisure, people don't want to spend money on it. But it's like, if that's what you're wearing all the time, like you should spend money on it um, and make sure that you look your best and feel your best. I like that. Is there certain organization tools that you, that are your go-tos? Since yeah. Probably, like, what's your favorite hanger? Where do you put your shoes? Um, oh, like what are yeah. some space-saving tricks? And and yes. what brands do you love and you trust or anything yeah. like that? I, I would say um, my number one organizing tool in a closet or wardrobe is a hanger, velvet hangers. I think they, you can pick whatever color you want, but I, I, t I tell clients just go with what you can always find in bulk again. So I often buy from Amazon. Um, because I know I can find those items again, uh, as far as the quantity, like I've set up multiple homes for multiple clients that have, uh, I've just continued to buy the same hanger. So it's consistent. If they happen to bring a hanger from Montana to Mexico, from Mexico to Palo Alto, then it's not going to like go to waste or stick out like a sore thumb. I also think, um, it helps prioritize and quantify what you, how much clothing you have and, um, what you're like, like, people are like, I need to buy more hangers. I'm like, no, you just need to purge your closet. Uh, you don't need more hangers. So I think that hangers is like in, in setting yourself up, like if it's 120 or 180, or I mean, some people it's like maybe 650. 
Um, but once you run out, it's like, okay, I need to purge because my closet kind of hits a max at a certain point. And it's not even a max of space. It's just a max of your visual eye and function to find what you're looking for. So I, I, I that's my go-to. I stopped doing um, anything trendy or fun like TJ Maxx or Home Goods years ago because you find this wonderful item and you can never find something to go with it uh, again. And you can never replace it again. But then on the other hand, like with our estate services, we sell tons of vintage organizing hangers and, and one-of-a-kind pieces that um, that are kind of fun as well. But it, yeah, I, I think it's... So I'd say my number one tool is a hanger for sure, a matching cohesive hanger. Your closet should look like your favorite boutique. It should all be on the same eye level. It should all, nothing should stand out. And then for shoes, I think shoes, I have a huge pet peeve, which is going to rock the world, but shoes should be facing out with the toe out, I think on a shelf. And I'm probably, but I cannot handle it when they do them like heel to toe for more space. When that drives me bonkers. I just had this with Meg, actually. She's like, what if I do that? I was like, you can, but it. I couldn't sleep at night if I had to see that on a shelf. But I think it should just be more visual um, and just be more uniform. And I think uh, I think storage bins, people like to think that they're going to put something in a basket or a bin. But the reality is that you're not going to see it. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of if you're designing a wardrobe or a closet space of doing closed doors with shelves and having just things on a shelf, like denim on a shelf, sweaters on a shelf. And then it quantifies the space as well, because in a typical stack, I mean, you can get eight, eight pairs of jeans, maybe, and maybe, maybe five to six sweaters. But on top of that, it's like, that's too much. So it kind of helps you keep it in check because um, we do have access to just so much as far as volume of, of our wardrobes. But so that's for closets. I'm trying to think what else. I think just just making it also like a sanctuary so that it feels like because when you're organizing, you should pull everything out, clean every shelf and just start fresh. But I have like a cute piece of art in your closet or have a bench if you have space. I have a tiny closet, but I still have a really cute chrome fur bench that I think is it just, it's so nice to feel like this luxury space, even though it's really not that big. Um, so kind of make it your own. You also by color, like light to dark. Um, I ha- we I had one friend that I'd say tits my- to the left. So the chest facing all the same direction. Yeah. So the back of the shirts are all the same direction. Do you have uh, any tips yeah. like that? Do you light to dark? Do you colors to- together? Yeah, I go into a space in a wardrobe and I decide how it, would I, which I'm left-handed. So that's another but I kind of think backwards a lot of times, but how would I reach for something if I was in this closet or how, if I was getting dressed, what, what would allow me to have more of a visual view? But I don't necessarily believe there's a right or wrong way to organize your, your clothes as far as by color, by sleeve length, by type. So in some closets, they will have, it's like, it's tempting to do short sleeve then like, cause it do by color, by short sleeve, then long sleeve, then, you know, blouses and sweaters. But it's like, I try to do it in chunks. So it's like all the black is together, but it's by, sh- by tank, short sleeve, blouse, long, like sweater or blazer um, and kind of do it in a chunk. And I put it mostly it's really by season. So like right now, like in my own closet, I just transitioned all the, um, white up front because I'm going to start wearing a lot more lighter colors. So I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. I think it's also, you know, it's important just so that you can identify that trend again about what you reach for and what you wear. Um, Cause you don't want to have like a huge block in front of you every morning. That is nothing that you're uh, really wearing. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Did you know that 35% of adults report experiencing poor sleep quality? Let me put you onto something that is going to transform your sleep. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating people. This is huge. If you and your spouse do not sleep at the same temperature, which most people don't, I'm freezing, my husband's hot. This is a massive benefit and breakthrough for us when we started sleeping on Cozy Earth. You can both sleep on the same mattress with the same sheets and be completely comfortable. They also have a 100-night sleep trial guarantee and a 10-year warranty, which I don't know of anybody that does this. They're that confident in the product, and so am I. When I first touched Cozy Earth products, I could not believe the soft hand on it. It also almost has like a cool feel to your hand. To your um, hand, it's like slippery dolphin. Like your feet swishing around is so so addictive. I can't sleep with anything but cozy earth sheets. I'm obsessed. Um, also, you need to treat yourself to the ultimate comfort with cozy earth. I love the sleepwear. I love the sweats, and the bedding is amazing. You can prioritize your self care your sleep health, if you just head over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. You guys, we don't have to wait for a sale. You can use this anytime. Again, the code is DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. Better sleep awaits you with Cozy Earth. Perfect. So that's closet. That's closet. Should we talk kitchen or pantries? Yeah. Let's go. I don't know, Amanda, where do you want to take us? Kitchens or pantry? <laughs> Which one are you more opinionated about? That's what I want to hear. Oh, uh, I want to be taught. Yeah, I think pantries, you know, it, there's been with TikToks and Reels, all of the people who are like decanting everything. I'm a huge decanter. It takes me a very long time to um, unpack my groceries. Like I put away everything. It's like about an hour session at my house and I love it. But I use less and I buy less because it's out and it's visual and I can make sure that everyone can see it in my household and use it because that's my big pet peeve is buying stuff that then no one uses or goes bad. Um, I think in a pantry, it's, I don't, I, I'm going to say, I think this is, this is be controversial. I don't think you need to label everything with chalk labels anymore. That was a big trend that I, as somebody flew us to Seattle because they liked my handwriting and I'm like, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, since you like, you're always going to put chocolate chips in that bin. You're always going to put. And I think the reality is if you can just find clear containers and containment. And I um, I love there's a, a glass uh, canister from Amazon that comes in like six different sizes. And I think it's just an amazing product because you can fit like a whole pack of goldfish in the medium or, you know, but that's if you need a label to tell you that that's goldfish, I, you got an issue. So yeah. <laughs> So I think label people over label it and then they overdo it as far as that part of the um, pantry. And then they don't ever it's like they never change it up and it kind of gets crusty. So yeah. um, um, I think Sarah, you probably caught on by now, but decanting means that you're going to empty the box of goldfish into the glass jar. And then what you're looking at is just goldfish in a translucent container instead of a box. Yeah, goldfish or whatever it is. So sorry, I thought I'd break that down for a really Yeah, minute. decanting. Yeah. And and. There's very, so you're like, people are like, so wait, you're taking it out of the box and you're putting it in another box. Um, But I also think that's just another part of feeling like at home luxury. Cause it's just like, if you ever ever stayed at the, you know, Ritz Carlton club level, everything is in these amazing, um, 
decant. They're, they're all everything's been decanted, and it just feels like this luxury of of um, just a grab and go type thing that you can easily maintain. I think it also just keeps you in check on what you're using and what you're not using. Uh, and I think we just tend to buy too much of. Uh, I think that's a big part of organizing that it, it, I call it a compassion fatigue that I felt um, as a professional organizer for 20 years. It's just, you kind of get overwhelmed with this stuff and you kind of, it's hard to care about it as far as like when you're organizing a space for someone that's really struggling and it's like, well, you can't have an auto ship from Costco and from Safeway and from Whole Foods every week. And there's no way you're going to use this. And then you end up just getting rid of it because it expires or something goes, you know, bad. It's just, you, cause you can't find anything. So you just keep overbuying. How do you know if it's expired, if it's decanted? I feel like that's the number one argument people have. Yeah. Well, I think the reality is you should only be, you should really only be buying what you're using and decanting kind of prompts you to um, have a limited amount of space. And then like I allow, like, you know, I have 12 of the canisters. So it's like, I have 12 vessels that I can put things in and it constantly changes depending on what um, I'm putting in there. But like, I'm not going to decant cereal, for example. That's a big one that often goes stale quickly inside of a decanter. I think it should just stay in the box. Um, Cause then you have somebody who's like, does something really, I think quite radical is when they don't empty the, the canister and then they put new on top. And it's like, oh, that reminds me of college with like that ranch dressing just always had new ranch on top and it was just, ugh. Uh-huh. so that's a, that's the key with the canting. I think just using it all up. So um, yeah, pick your battles. You don't need to put everything like pasta or spaghetti or rice in something like that. But as far as your snack life, um, I think decanting is nice because I feel like you use, you end up buying less and you end up using what you're buying. Um, so it's kind of a weird concept with food, but so with pantries, I also think with pantries that kind of goes into uh, what kind of tools you're using in the kitchen because uh, everyone has way too many gadgets and gizmos and it's kind of to be realistic about what do you use and what's at eye level and um, and then what's lower priority and what, you know, as far as lower, like what are you willing to bend down for and lift up if it's heavy or, or you know, are your kids packing their own lunches and those should be at their level. Um, but you also don't want to put like your mixer way up high because then you'll never use it. Yeah. So, but each, each kitchen is, I, I, I always want people to, again, pull it out and sort it into categories and then start fresh and think about what really makes sense. How will I unload the dishwasher? And that's how I start every house that we used to do for relocations. I would always be from that point. Where would I want to put glasses away from, from here? Cause I'm going to be doing glasses and silverware all the time. Mm-hmm. And I set up those main zones and, and work my way out from that. Um, so that makes and sense. Back, yeah. And back to pantries, I think, you know, we're so into this like walk-in pantry world. And the reality is most people probably listening to this podcast, they have like a cabinet that has their pantry in it. And I think you'll get more use out of a pantry like that than you do a big walk-in pantry because it's more functional and you'll have less room to just stock up on stuff you don't use. But I think that's where the, the visual, making it pretty, making it feel special and making it feel like it's a luxury in your own home. I think that is the trend that can go into any space you're organizing. Something that already, yeah. I have a question for you. What do you do with the snacks that are in individual packets? Let's just say fruit snacks, granola bars, things that are packaged. Do you decant those? Do you put them in a drawer in rows? Do you keep them in the box on the shelf? Yeah, it depends. 
on the household, really. But I, I kind of like, I love a snack drawer that's with a shallow um, basket that has all the different snacks. Like, so you have your fruit snacks and your uh, granola bars or, and even like, even in a cheese drawer, we do that for snacks or like chopsticks or something. But, um, but yeah, I think always take it out of a box because every household has that person that even though there's an open box, they'll open another box. And then that's where you kind of run out of room. Cause we have these like, up, everyone has a backup pantry and a backup backup pantry. Uh-huh. The reality is you don't need that much stuff. So it's important to have a structure for what you are using and what you can see. I'm sure it's so revealing once it's all organized and they can see it. Like I'm sure you have a lot of real aha moments and a lot of like psychological <laughs> twisting of the mind of of belief systems, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, I tell people it's like you can only put eight ounces of coffee in an eight ounce cup. So we're always trying to put 15 ounces in that eight ounce cup as Americans. And it's just not, it's just, it, you can't have an enjoyable cup of coffee if you have 15 ounces in it, right? Yeah. It's So, and that's how your house will be in your ears. So you have to really be aware of how much you're bringing in. And then um, I think that's the big aha for people. It's like, what do, how do I store this? What's a smart way to do this? It's like, don't buy so much. Like, don't buy that much food or figure out how to, store it so you can see it and find it because you know it's like it's a catch-22 if you have a lot of storage then you also have a lot of waste in a lot of ways yeah that's great um that kind of hits kitchen and pantry don't you think i think we covered all of like your hot topics yeah let's get into the estate sale bit yes let's talk really fast give everyone a little history on how you got into it and then yeah talk about just the best ways to learn how to operate do it yeah so Kuzak's Closet um, started in 2004, and we used to organize spaces, and then we'd sell what you didn't need on eBay. So I was basically doing this before Kim Kardashian. I am just not. Yeah. I just I was I was like, what? This girl has stolen my idea. Um, I started doing it, and so my clients would be paid for what um, they purged. So it was kind of a reward, and then they would be able to pay for their future services that way. And then as my company grew, I started offering larger organizing services with less selling, really, because my organizing clients began this trend of like not wanting it to be sold. And and, it, and that was perfect. We just started processing for donation and doing truckloads of donation. But then we also had organizing clients that turned into full estates that needed to be purged. Um, so we started doing relocations. So that was, so it was or, home organizing services, relocations, estate liquidation, estate sales, and private liquidation. Okay. Um, yeah. So the whole concept that I started my company with in 2004, which is organizing and then selling what you don't want and then applying that towards your service fee, it's still the same way we bill our estates today, which is pretty interesting. Um, so we charge a flat service fee, but then we sell what we're selling and then we apply it back and then they get the check for the difference or they owe us for the difference the same way that we started 2004. So I'm kind of proud of that. That is the common thread. So the way that we do private liquidation has always been our most popular service um, because I used to take out what you um, were willing to get rid of, like whether it's your closet or a whole house and I would pull it and sell it on eBay, sell it on Craigslist or whatever. But as the marketplace changed and as social media came on to, up to play, we uh, were able to start selling on Instagram. So we started selling on Chuck Kuzak's Closet. That started in 2017 and it took off like wildfire because our price point is 
transparent. One, it's listed. I cannot handle it when the state companies are like DM for price. It's like, oh, I hate that too. The worst. Yeah, I never get like, that. Yeah. And it's so, probably, it's probably sold like 10 seconds before you. And, yeah, and then they're like, it just gives you anxiety, the whole situation. And then they're sizing you up to figure out if they could charge you more than the next person. Mm-hmm. And so ours has always had a set price, always had a set pickup window. And it's, everything is always sold out. I mean, our first item was a set of Bauer pots that are, were like out adjacent of the front door of a house in Hillsborough. And they were priced reasonably and they've, went right so it was like a wildfire people were like oh my gosh and it because it's on social media we can attract end users we work with designers we work with uh you know college kids google tech people that are just moving to the area and it's like a fun way to constantly see like a new person who's taking an item and you can find out what they're doing with it and then through social media then they share it back to you like this is my new bar and you're like wow that looks amazing <laughs> thank you the marketing material that's fantastic yeah yeah so so our concept we go into a house and in the course of 2 to 3 days we empty the entire estate from start to finish and we do that because we're an organizing company really it's the roots of the business can so we ask, how big is your team that can go in and completely empty a house in 3 days mind blown yeah, right yeah, right now, smallest we've ever been, well, not ever, but smallest we've been a long time. We're down to eight, and then we have a donation team, and we have a metal hauling team that's on um, contract. So it's like, so at, at a big, you know, so i say there'd be 14 of us. So at some one point, there was about 20, 23, 24 people. Um, so it's, I find that less is more, because then you have more on my side of managing all of these projects, um, or, you know, you you have a dedicated space that you basically have to go clockwise or counterclockwise, which is what I would tell my organizing clients, you know, since the beginning is you start a project and you, you start clockwise or counterclockwise and you just go like each, each item, is this donatable? Is this sellable? Is this metal recycling? Is this trash? And like you, so the guys on my team are bringing each organizer on our team, a box, a bag, a bin, and then we're constantly photographing that. And then that goes on the table. That's going to be for sale online for pickup. And then you just kind of go like right around the space. And it's amazing because we are subjective. We have no emotional attachment to the item. So that's why it can be so much faster than if you're doing it on your own. And then um, we go through and we launch our sales on Instagram with posts and stories and we do Instagram live sales. And then shoppers buy things like in a hot second and then they pick up and then and room swept and we move so on like, to that. These rooms are completely emptied. So there was once a master suite, a primary suite in the room yeah. and the bed's taken apart, the mattress is donated, the metal's taken to wherever you sell it and like the room's completely emptied and you have a place for every single thing yes. in so, a matter of hours. Yep, so we do... And My that mind's blown. <laughs> no, seriously. absorb. <laughs> Okay, so Amanda, you're saying that you're going to take an entire room, let's just say primary bedroom, and you're going to, going to completely sweep it of every single thing. So you're looking at an empty room and you're going to say, take the mattress, donate or throw it away. I don't even know. The bed, you're going to disassemble. That's still great. We're going to sell it. We're going to sell the contents of the drawer. We're going to we're going to sell the nightstands. We're going to like you're emptying out every single one of these rooms. Nothing's yeah. adding. Yeah. Yeah. So you empty out the whole space and each staff member has a designated space. Um, and along the way, you might find, you know, personal items like a wedding album that's tucked somewhere or money. Uh, we just did an estate that we uncovered $600,000 worth of gold bars and silver bars. Stop. Where was that hiding? I have to know. 
Uh, everywhere. It was in the freezer. It was in the file cabinets. It was disguised as sardine cans. At the very end, I said to my staff, I'm like, it's vacuumed. The whole I mean, is a 3,000 square foot ranch in Los Altos. And I said, you know, it's empty. It's vacuumed. This house has never looked better, but I just have a, a hunch. Let's go and lift up all of the heating grates in the floor and just look. And the first one, there's a rope. We pull a rope. Stop. And a gold bars on the bottom. Oh, stop. Like, I, my staff looked at me like, so and every single day at that house, the family, the client's still alive, actually. And he, his name was Seymour, and he's my boyfriend now. I love them. It <laughs> was a little freaky, but he was staying at a hotel and the house was more of a hoarder's estate. It was, it was a very much big hoarder's estate, actually. Um, but he wanted to come every day with his son and pick up what we found. And we would find, like, tubes of Krugerrands and cash in the oven. I mean, it was like everywhere. And he he thought there was some value, but he didn't think there was that much. But at the end, I'm like, Seymour, you know, I thought we were done finding things, but I found, you know, some gold bars or silver bars. So they're worth like $3,000 each right now on ropes in the, the heating vents. And he's like, oh, I, forgot. I don't remember doing that. But I had to go meet him at the hotel and say, yeah, because he was too tired to come to drive to pick him up. So I go into the hotel with like, I mean, there were like ropes of silver. It was a riot. Oh, that was this guy. He was, he's 92, I think now. Oh, I love that his name is Seymour. That made the story so much more rich. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Seymour's just sitting around now, just surrounded by silver bars and. Yeah. And, and he. Yeah. He was, rare coins. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is like the house, it was just, it was an amazing um, mid-century, like it was amazing. And. It was so full of negative value is what I call it. I don't like to use the word trash, but it was a lot of negative value and a lot of things that had disintegrated over the years. But um, it was, you know, I walked in and there's like a three panel Evelyn Ackerman on the wall. I mean, it's just covered in dust. Like we can sell that. And then it was just tons and tons of really great mid-century furniture in small um, pottery and we had over 50 um, decoys. I mean, it just was a great house. Every house is like that though. Even if it's not Seymour's uh, uh, Gold Bar Estate, it's like you'll find something at every single house. And a lot of times it's um, it's just amazing to have the opportunity to go through and organize someone's life. And that's, you know, our tagline is your life organized. And I always felt that that applied to all of the brands and the big scope that Kuzak's Closet has been over the years. Um, but it it's a, such a it's a gift. It's an opportunity to see kind of how people live and what they, what they treasure and what they, you know, accumulated. And it's just, the, and, and where they're from, it, it dictates kind of what the quality too of what their items are. We, and we did a woman's, this little condo in this building in Palo Alto, but she was from Scotland and everything was high end. I mean, it was just, it was just a joy to go through and it was meticulously wrapped and like, she only shopped at Neiman's and oh, it was just like this, but it was like vintage Neiman's and wow. really well kept condition. So, and we'll see a lot of wardrobes that, you know, people, that's what I think is interesting because transitioning all the time of, of being like in a vintage estate, there's no walk-in closet. There's no, you know, there's no wallpaper and shoe galleries. I mean, there's only been maybe one or two in Woodside that we did that were older estates that had that. And now that's kind of the standard. I mean, being in Silicon Valley in real estate and, and being in the, any type of in luxury in home services, we have the opportunity to see pretty spectacular homes that just the average person just doesn't get to see. So it's 
it's you're kind of jaded by like what the norm is because it's really not the norm everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the estate world, it's like the simplicity and the perks and the luxury for these older houses. It's it's just a totally different scale. But you're like, this person was like a rocket scientist or this person, you know, we did RJ Miller's estate. He, He was the Ford CEO after World War II and then he went to become the dean of the business school at Stanford, and he had like a luxury estate of its day. Um, but I just, it's just his wardrobe. He, it was, you know, all Hermes ties, and it, he had a walk-in closet that was like that would rival what you'd see today. But that's very rare. But the way that people, I guess, people vintage estates, they they kept track of things better. They kept things nicer. They repaired things. They bought higher. They had a shoe uh, cobbler to fix their shoes and yeah, and so and the buttons have, on. Yeah, yeah they, they bought well, the bought well, kind of more. Yeah, yeah and we do. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just funny because you're like, gosh, this handbag is like six. Where has this handbag been? You know, they've been everywhere with this handbag because it's mm. it's like a vintage uh, Ferragamo bag that is, and it's well kept. So it's not like this, you know, use it for a season and ditch it. This fast fashion that we see. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of balance my emotional, you know, that I, I said that word or the phrase compassion fatigue earlier because I was working in the sphere of like super uber wealthy and traveling and buying more and having more and keeping track of more and more and more. And then the estate world is it's, it's getting down to like the end of, of everything. And then, and breaking it all down and, and it's, and you learn a lot about each, each client. Um, and, uh, so, but, so we, we have to go in, I think the tricky part going back to the way the service works is if you're in charge of a zone, it's like, you have to decide what someone will buy and what that function for that item should be. If it's something that can help with storage or organization, or just bringing joy or luxury to someone's house or their life or a collection. Um, so it's kind of a lot of pressure. And then you have to get like final word. Is that you that, um, that oh, are you like, Amanda, come over here. Do you think this is worth something? Or how does the team determine like the value of something? Yeah, we all have different um, expertise, which I find to be interesting uh, because there's things that I would never photograph unless I would just never put that on Instagram. And when I would never buy it, I like, like, for example, like uh, placemats. Right. For sure. That's never something that I'm like, I can't wait to list those for $8. Yeah. But ever list them for $8, like that's someone buys them. And that's like, they, that's like a whole nother life is given to those. So, so each person has a different level of expertise. And I'm like more, my level of expertise is more antique furniture, a primitive. I love pine. I'm really into anything like Midwestern or galvanized, but in the same token of that i'm always put in check because it's not popular for resale uh what i like popular so then sarah who works at kuzak she is like the expert on mid-century modern which is all the rage right so a lot of times it's like we're always like is this going to end up in a shop and then are they going to try to double their money on this or is this an end user and we do get more end users than we get dealers on mid-century just because our price point, we we can charge more because we have such a huge following. Um, and that's really exciting to know that like a dining set's going to go to someone's Eichler in Palo Alto and have a whole nother life, you know. Yeah. But then the dealer life is also exciting because then it'll end up at, you know, Alameda or it'll end up at the Oakland Vintage Market or it'll end up in stuff. But 
it just, it's like, it'll be like traded 10, 12 more times before it ends up with an end user. So we have to always walk this fine line between are we catering to an end user or are we catering to um, to a dealer? But there's so many new people in the in the business of buying and selling because there's a big vintage push with social media that we've seen, especially with vintage clothing and vintage kitchen. Yes. So, yeah, and it's a lot of young uh, people that are exciting and I love their energy and then they want to tag us and then they put it in a reel and it's like, I'm learning a lot because I just started doing reels about six months ago. And it's like every day I'm like, I'm getting real good at this, but um, it's not <laughs> Benny. So yeah. So making it visually appealing and, and for them to buy so that they can then transition it. There's a really young photographer in San Francisco that she, uh, I, I think she got her master's during the pandemic and couldn't do a show like she should have done at the end of her master's. So she started buying and selling mid-century, but it was more like what she liked. And a lot of it's also 90s. She's into 90s. Um, but which I thought I was like, that's so fat. And so she got like a storage unit. And on the top of the storage unit in San Francisco, there's like rooftop um, parking structure, basically. And she'll, she's a little, she's tiny. She's like 5'2", and her tag is proper bones. She fascinates me because she, she'll like pull a credenza out of her own vehicle and photograph it. It's so gorgeous because she's a photographer. Then she'll like, if I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life, I love it. And if someone wants to buy it, great. And she's found this like whole nother niche of her life that she didn't even know was there. She has an amazing eye for style. She does fashion and furniture. And I'm like, so impressed with her as you could tell but i think there's obviously not a, enough um i can't say enough about it because i think it just with the world of social media it's, people are always kind of down on someone else and i'm always trying to be like up on everyone because i want to be positive about like sharing other especially women in business but i'm just really excited for what she's bringing to the industry and i know there's a lot of other young people in the same boat um and they're challenging you know i'm I, I'm old, I'm 42, but I'm not that old, but you know what I mean? You're kind of, you get to that point where like, I've been doing this a long time and it's fun to be reinvigorated again. Um, so, so yeah, so we all have, I am not the type of person to have, I am a control freak, but I do let, you can put anything on and you can listen. And there's times where I, I want to have conversations about things and we do openly, like, what would you buy this for? What would you, you know, cause we do get fatigued on stuff just like you would in her own organizing space and if it was your own estate. So um, so it's great to have the diversity of our team and our knowledge and know who's going to buy too, like who's on our shopping list, who's who's out there looking for something. And we often can place bets on like, is this going to end up with, you know, this shopper or this shopper? Yeah. I, was gonna say, Which, yeah. I bet you have groupies that like kind of follow you yes. from estate to estate and just kind of like sit yeah. We, well, wait for you to well, it, well, also, do you like well, to sell every weekend or what's your frequency that they know you're going to be posting? Yeah. All online. So we discontinued all of our in-person because of our lines and our crowds were out of control. They were out of control before COVID. They were out. It was, it was nuts. It was like a full-time daycare on the weekends. And, and the fuck is like, am I supposed to be talking to like 500 people about their health concerns or their bunions or their kids or their cat diet? It's like, which I enjoy doing, but it's also my job is to empty this house and maximize the value of the contents inside. Yeah. Uh, private liquidation service, it's just was always pop, more popular because if there was no parking, if it was a celebrity's estate, if it was an estate 
you know, up in Tiburon or in Sausalito where it's harder to get to or drive to, it it was always popular because we 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 take each item and we photograph it individually. So it's 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 not you don't see the clutter of the rest of the estate. So we typically do estates. They're all Monday through Friday, and we do two to three estates per week. So what? Wait, how do people know that? Like, how did Seymour's people know to call? A man uh, at Cusack's closet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess you've been doing it 20 years, so you're just like that person to call. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the in California area. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate agent. Real estate agents hire us or refer us uh, because our market is, you know, that it's hot. It's not as hot as it was, but it's picked up a lot since it kind of leveled off, um, which is still, I mean, these properties go for Seymour's house, for example, is like, I think he paid 70000 I think it was worth like five and a half. Wow. So but it's like, so there's a big urge to, or push to get that. I mentioned the, the silver bars and the heating system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, our, our real estate market really pushes a sense of a um, urgency for the sale of the house. So when someone does pass away or if it's time for them to move to assisted living or people are, you know, moving to the area, moving out or, you know, transitioning or building a new house or whatever, um, things go quickly. That's why it's it's not a, it's not a business model that can work in a regular real estate area. For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just not like people always wonder if I'm going to go back to Michigan and reopen a branch there, like where I started. And it's it's it wouldn't work because uh, stuff. You know, we don't know in the Midwest houses like in where I'm from in the thumb of Michigan, it's like houses can sit for a year before they sell. Where in Silicon Valley, it has to be emptied to go on the market. Then it has to be prepped and it has to be staged. And so we are the first one to come in after they have removed what they want to keep. So it's very fast paced. Do you get an extra thrill when it's a celebrity's junk that you're going through? <laughs> Estates, uh, I mean. <laughs> I... I always think it's a treat that we get selected for it. And I'm always interested that they've chosen the route of resale and repurposing. Uh Um, Yeah, we, we do a lot of celebrity projects, I would say that, and they may just be a tech celebrity. That's not exciting to anyone else in the country, but um, we, yeah, I wish I could, I always am like, Oh, I wish I could just put it out there. Like who, whose house this is just because it's a validation for us. Um, But yeah, it's, it's uh, it's a, it's really exciting, and some estates we do, and they're young people. I mean, there's a lot of young moving and shaking going on in Silicon Valley. So people in their 30s, uh, like we just did an estate at the Four Seasons in San Francisco in January, and people are like, you know, the conspiracy of like, did this person move out of the country? Are they? Would they go missing? It's like, no, this is just a celebrity's estate that they need to liquidate because you know, they were having actually like a big brand was coming in to redecorate to do a big promotion. So um, it's it's just funny. And then it's interesting to see like certain celebrities that will work on like recently, I saw somebody in an interview and like the whole room that they were in, we've liquidated it. Like we liquidated that space not that long ago. It, it was like their whole interview was in that room, but it was like a delay of the interview being posted. Yeah. So if it was watching, they'd be like, hmm. I remember those butterflies, but, um, but we can't really, and a lot of, you know, that's the, that's, that's the beauty of our service being the private liquidation, because whether you are a celebrity or you're Seymour, like huh. we're not going to tell anybody who you are or what you did. You know, I always, that makes me kind of 
uneasy when I see an estate listing that's like, you know, the name of the estate and then what they did for a living. And it's like, you know, that's, I just find it not to be the appropriate way to, to be, and to be advertising the estate. I think it's, it's more like the stuff um, and not the, not the person. So your um, legal background and training taught you that. Yeah. 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 That you want yeah. to sort of be private and kosher about the people and their lives and their state. And I think that yeah. that's super respectful. And if I was going to liquidate an estate, I would certainly call you. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, um, let's tell everybody Amanda's um, handle in case you guys want to follow along at Cusack's Closet. I think it's fun to see what is there and you can kind of get an inside peek at the work that she is doing. Yes. Amanda is the best one at Shop Cusack Closet. Right on internet. Yeah, free buy stuff, mm-hmm. and then the main account is more behind the scenes. Just the who's ex closet. Um, that's K U Z A K. Yep, S C L O S E T. Cusack. Yep. Closet. So yeah, shop Cusack Closet's always happening. There's always stuff popping up there, and that's where all the stuff is sold from. But um, but we do previews for each sale out of each account, and um. There, I try to I try to vary them so that you have something different to follow. But yeah. um, it's yeah. So, so you preview it before it's available to buy. Yeah, I've been doing reels. I've been trying to do some reels. Um, but yeah, so we do. We always do collage previews in the stories, and then we let you know um, what's going to come. But we're organizing these houses in real time. So if you are like. I'll be like, our posts are all up and we're putting things in stories. We're going to do a live sale, but it's like you, oh shoot, there's a closet off the garage no one saw. And then there's all vintage Pyrex in there. And there's, so stuff pops up like that's not necessarily in the preview, but everything that we sell from each project is uniquely from that estate. We never mix estates. We never bring things in. And then we never take things and like put them in a warehouse. Um, we did a big warehouse that someone was a hoarder hoarder in uh, Palo Alto and his wife was like, don't bring anything home. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? And she's like, buy a warehouse or something. So we bought a warehouse in East Palo Alto. <laughs> he, he's now passed away. Yeah. And he, Elvin was his name. And he, uh, Elvin, Seymour and Elvin, Elvin was smart because that warehouse just sold for like three and a half million dollars. Uh, but it was so full of artwork and weird, odd collectibles. But people were like, is that your warehouse? I'm like, it would take, I've been in business 20 years. It would take me 80 years to have that much stuff that was in a warehouse. But I think that my personality being an organizer and wanting less, I think I found that trend of me saying a lot of times people just buy too much and consume too much today. Um, that's the secret to success for Kuzak's Closet in the estate realm because I'm not focused on what I want to keep or what put I want to put in a warehouse. It's I want to pass every single treasure on to someone else and have it enjoyed. And my big goal is just to make sure that it doesn't go to the landfill. So, but that's great. I think that's super responsible. And I think it's really fun that vintage is super trendy right now and that there is a way for people to get it, not for resellers. So I think this is like such a gold mine and so fun to talk to you about how you organize, how you think, how it's done, um, and that this service is available. I'm totally, I'm totally following Shop Cusack's Closet from now on. I'm determined to get a treasure from you. Yeah, for you, you'll, you'll just have to let whoever's doing the messages that day say that Amanda told you that we could ship you something. But I love that. I know. I know you can go to pick up only, right? Only, yeah. We're trying to do some more offerings. I think we're we're launching an auction platform on our new website that just went up this week, and then. 
Uh, we've been building an app so that it's more like click and buy versus direct oh, message. That's so smart. Yeah, we yeah. have the future, don't we? We've we've seen a lot of things change since you started. Yeah. And definitely yeah. since we've started. You were saying pirate. Yeah. So Mike, is that so? And that's like a big kitchen collectible, right? No. Oh right? my god! I yeah, like really precious. My mother's pen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Sarah at Kuzak's Closet knows every single pattern. And it's like a game. Like, you be like, she'll be like, Cinderella's Castle or like flowers. She knows every single one. And it and people are paying like, we are getting insane prices on stuff. It's like we're, you could set like a nesting set, you know, the primary color nesting set. That was always like around 36 to 42. And now it's like 95. You can, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that marketplace but i think a lot of it is what's photographable again like what looks great in imagery and so it's like the jadeite fire king you know and then all of the vintage towels and textiles that's popular again and so we are constantly like afghans for example people were making like dog sweaters and, and pillows out of that i mean every and you're like this is normally something would be like 12 dollars. we're bumping our prices up and wow. and we keep our online just so that we can show people you know, don't throw this away. Don't donate this. Like, let us sell it because the price points constantly shift and yeah. it's crazy. But just social by, media, just by watching what's trending on social media, you get a feel for what people, what people want. Yes. Yeah. Cottage core. That's it. definitely at its finest. Well, thank you, Amanda, for joining us today and for um, teaching us a little bit about your ways on how to um, better organize um, closets, pantries, kitchens, and then also telling us about the estate sales. That was a juicy tidbit. Proper vintage shop. This so much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for your expertise. And um, thank you, listeners, for joining us. We hope this has been as fun for you as it is for us. And we will catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating.